This is how God sees his son's church. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Think about that. A holy nation. So his bride is a nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I like that. Darkness. To marvelous light. Not just light. Not just light, marvelous light. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for truth. Your word is truth. And Holy Spirit, illuminate every heart and mind so we see this from your perspective, not from ours. So, therefore, we can align ourselves with your word, with you, with your plans for our lives. It always leads us to paths of victory. So, I desire and need your anointing and help today. Give us what we need together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me speak about what God expects of us. If there's anything that God expects of you, if he would require something of us, it's this. For instance, do you know what he expects of you? Do you know what God is looking for in you? That you would become your best. What is that? That you would fulfill the plans he has for your life. And first, when you hang out with Jesus, he brings out the best in you. So let's look at what God's saying to us today. Stepping up to the best. And he gives us the picture and the template I just read to you from my passage. And this is how he sees his son's bride, the church. Life is good. Life is God's gift to you. We're breathing here today. We're conscious here today. We were brought from eternity into time, only because God gifted us with life. What you do with your life is your gift back to God. And we were all born originals, but sadly many die copies. <laughs> People never see completely the best that God has designed for you. And I believe that God has placed in every person a treasure and a gift, a special purpose and a plan. Now, every now and then I'll see sports enthusiasts in church, out of church, and they wear their heroes' jerseys and jackets emblazoned with the name of their heroes on them. You know, the San Francisco Giants, San Francisco 49ers, Oakland A's, the Raiders, and they've got their jackets, their heroes' names. And I'm thinking, wow, you paid all that money for that jacket. They ought to be paying you. You're walking advertisement for their team, wouldn't you? You know, maybe they're identifying, I don't know, maybe they're hopeful that their team will win. <laughs> maybe they're idolizing, advertising. You're never going to be what they are, but here's the good news. They will never be what you are. Be what you are. Become who God designed you to be. And secondly, God designed his body, the church, to bring the best out of people. And he coordinated us as a body, each doing his or her part, to the best of our ability. And that demonstrates to the world a picture of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't happen without each member doing his or her part and carrying responsibility. So now watch how this all works. The word lists those who we once were. Past tense. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. In other words, and, and the culture has is, is worked very hard to get humanity to be self-deceived. 
And we walk around thinking, I'm okay doing what I'm doing. And God's word says, no, you're not. Because then he explains it. Either fornicators or idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And you go, whoa, wow, okay. And then he says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So what was there, no longer. Now we're children of the Lord. And he explains very clearly who we are. Chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, his own special people. That's who we are. And he lists all the ungodliness of our lives in the past. But Jesus and his church brought out the best in us. We were once on that list. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we've been washed, placed in the body of Christ, so he can bring out the best in us. And that's why one of the reasons the body assembles, one of the reasons that we are together, so that the best can be pulled out of each of us. You are washed, sanctified, justified. You can be a better person than you were once you come to know Christ. And you fulfill the purpose for God bringing you into the world when you're working as a part of the body, the family of God. Because sin lowers, sin lessens, sin shrinks, diminishes everything God wanted in our lives. But through Christ's suffering for us, you rise above the life you once lived. And now you can live above that that once pulled you down. Jesus gives you the power to overcome sin which you do not possess until you come into right relationship with him. And then you possess that power to overcome. And look at what Jesus says happens for those who have overcome sin. To whom overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What's a tree of life? That's the same tree that Adam and Eve got to eat from. Until they sinned and they were kicked out of the garden, they couldn't get access to it any longer. The tree of life keeps you living eternally. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, not just halfway, all the way to the end, him I will give power over the nations. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Wow! That's what happens when he gives you the power to overcome sin. Life's greatest failure is not being true to the best life God placed inside of you to live. And that's when you're a failure, when you just settle and not become what God called you to be. You can be better than you are. How? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the gifts and the talents lying dormant, undeveloped in this room, unused, are phenomenal. The richest place in the world, unfortunately, is the cemetery. 
because of the books that are buried there, never written. And the songs that are buried there, never sung. And the inventions buried there, never ever revealed. Because there are books I need to publish. There are invitations I need to fulfill to go preach. And you're never too young or too old. The best God placed in you is waiting to be birthed, to be seen. Why live in failure when you can have success? Don't lie there in your worst when God wants you to arise to your best. We, why live in defeat when you've got Christ's victory at work in your life? Jesus gave, gave his life because he saw that you could be his equal heir, joint heirs with him of all the Father possesses. For it was fitting for Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. He wants to fill eternity with people who have come into their own because of Christ's redemption. So why live in sin when Jesus came to cleanse you? Jesus sees that you can be something you're not today, and that's why he shed his blood for you. So you wouldn't be cast into the wasteland of hell, but could have a personal relationship forever with the Father. Why live under the devil's abuse when God will take you? God will use you and never abuse you. Jesus sees the unseen best in you, and his desire is to see it manifested. Your family needs the best that is in you to be manifested. He sees that you can bless the world around you that you live in. He designed a better you, one some of you have never met. Someone said, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good becomes better and your better becomes best. We don't settle in the kingdom. And we Americans struggle because we think we're self-sufficient. I mean, we got this built into our, 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 our historical DNA. We're self-sufficient. We can pull ourselves. We can do it. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves. We're dependent on the Lord. It's not our talent. It's not our personality. And I like the way it's written. It's very clear. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. God looked at some smelly fishermen, and he said, there's a better and a higher purpose for you. You can catch fish, but you follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And one day they caught 3,000. The next day they caught 5,000 with one toss of the gospel net. Wow. God saw Gideon. He's an obscure boy in the book of Judges. No indicators of greatness in him. Came from the smallest tribe, from one of the less well-to-do families, most feeble financial families in the whole tribe. And God said to him, you're the one I've chosen to deliver my people, to deliver the nation. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Well, he didn't comprehend that God was with him. And he began to describe his own insufficiency. He said, who are you talking to? But our sufficiency is of God. When the Lord spoke to Gideon, he wondered, who is God trying to communicate this truth to? Me, a mighty man of valor? Who are you talking to? I'm not anything special. I don't see what you see in me. Well, that's where our problem lies, because here are two great revelations. The revelation of who Jesus is, this is my beloved son, God said, in whom I am well pleased. You need to know that. 
And secondly, the revelation of who you are in him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. So when you learn who he is and you learn who you are in him, there's a confidence that arises. There's a peace that overtakes you. There becomes an unshakable faith that steps up in your heart and says, I can move mountains, I can walk on water if Jesus is with me. For by you, David said, I can run against the troop. By God, I can leap over a wall. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. God sees and seeks to surface the very best in your life. I love this passage, but you, Bethlehem, Rephathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, there's a little tiny town outside of Jerusalem, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. That was his son, Jesus. God said, you see yourself as small, insignificant. You see yourself as an inch. I see you as a ruler. Something amazing is going to come out of you because God sees something in you. No matter how little your self-appraisal is, he sees something in you as he saw it in that nowhere town called Bethlehem. And he said, there's this great ruler that's going to come out of you. It was Jesus born in Bethlehem. And it was prophetic. And God looks at you and he sees you and he has prophetic words to speak over you. But you belittle yourself. You put yourself down. You diminish your importance. But God looks at you and says, I see something great coming out of you. Something significant that comes up out of your life. There's something powerful I'm about to reveal in you, Calvary Christian Center. So don't settle for good. And don't settle for even better. But believe me to bring the best out of your life. You have to believe for great things if you're going to see them in your life. This is not an inspirational speech. This is God's word. And God speaks greatness into smallness. Tell your neighbor there's something mighty in you. So why live in bondage when Jesus has put freedom inside of you? God's the author, by the way, of freedom. And God gave you freedom as a gift. He placed freedom. Why would you live in bondage when you can be free? Why live in sin when Jesus has placed a saint in you? (laughs) The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So when you tangle with him, those are the results you get. I've come, Jesus said, that they may have life. They may have it more abundantly. Because I haven't preached my best message yet. got a few more that the Lord's want to move me into. Amen? I've not worshipped like I'm capable of yet. I have not yet attained. And I like the way Paul put this. He said that I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, and I'm reaching out for Christ who has wondrously reached out for me. And friends, he said, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus, and I'm off and running And I'm not turning back. I'm going for the best that God has. So you have not yet seen your full potential in Christ as yet. And when you connect with the Holy Spirit, 
there's something we call the anointing. And it's going to come upon you and be in you. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will reach into you and take you to your high calling in God. And what you will never get to on your own or achieve on your own, the Holy Spirit will raise you up and take you there and propel you there. And he takes and changes everything about who you are. Listen to me. You will achieve what God has planned for you, not by your ability, but with his touch and anointing on your life. Instead of having a little tiny electric motor under the hood, when God picks you up and changes your life, he drops a 700-plus horsepower V12 under the hood, and there's no automatic transmission that's built to handle it, and it's got to be stick shift all the way through six in order to get you to your highest speed because he wants you up and running when he gets in your life. The best businessman, the best singer, the best father, the best mother, the best worker is there waiting to be anointed in you. And life's greatest failure is not arising to the best that God put in you. It's like having all that under the hood and you never get out of first gear. Okay. A certain man had two sons. And Jesus is telling this story, and he's got a couple points he wants to make, numerous points. A certain man had two sons. Nothing will influence boys like a godly man. King James Version says a certain man. Not an uncertain man. Not an unsure man. And we need some men who will be certain Men who will be sure that the Bible is the guideline by which life is lived. And in our culture with fractured families, and across all lines, culturally, race, where men have abandoned their families and abandoned their spouses, listen to me. The Word of God is the guideline by which you as a male and a father are to raise your family. Not an uncertain man about it. But a certain if the word says do not be unequally yoked, then that man sticks with the word. If the word says that practice is sin, then that man sticks with the word. If the word says tithe, that man sticks with the word. He's a certain man. He's not an uncertain man. And when you become an uncertain man, it will affect your children. When you become a certain man, I am certain, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It infects and affects your children. I'm certain about my salvation. I'm certain about the Holy Spirit and his power in my life. I don't care what the latest theology teaches you, and it's already messed up people throughout the churches of our community, including ours. No matter what the heretics are teaching you, I'm certain about this book. It's not left up to your opinion. You can't tell me I can't have what I already have. A man with an experience, listen, is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And like when the blind man was healed, and Jesus cures his, his blindness and heals him, restores his sight. Immediately, he comes to the, the, the elders and goes, did he heal you on the Sabbath? Was he healing you on the Sabbath? What chapter and verse did he use to heal you on the Sabbath? 
He said, listen to me. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. I don't care if he healed me on the Sabbath. You figure out the rest. I'm going to go and tell what he did for me. And all I can tell you when you were born again, it's supernatural. All I can tell you, the Holy Spirit's presence and power is for real. All I can tell you is he still does heal the sick. I'm certain he's my provider. He's a good God. He blesses and favors his kids. True that. That's the God I serve. I'm going to give him my best. The best. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Say abundant life. A certain man had two sons. And he comes to the first and says, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. Well, that son responded like a lot of teen sons do. No. No. He looked kind of like all teens do when you say to your teen, you know what? It's time you went out and got a job. <laughs> you have to work now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you were designed to do. Work. W-O-R-K. Teaching on that in that series on Wednesday nights now. It's a new series. So some people won't read the book of Job because they think the name is J-O-B, Job. And they're afraid to read that book because that means work. Work? (laughs) His certain dad said to him, it's time to get in the field and work. And at first he said, no, I will not. But afterward, afterward, verse 29, he repented and went. None of us would be here today if God didn't give us an afterwards. Amen? God has attempted to get you involved in his workforce to do certain things in the body of Christ. No. I can't do it. I'm not qualified. I've got other things I need to be doing. I'm not a leader. But afterwards, his son repented and went out into the field. All God needs from you, it's not a list of what you can't do or why you can't do it. All God needs from you is one word, yes. Yes. Will you go? Will you serve? Will you work? Will you worship? Yes, Lord. And I will be the very best you've called me to be. That's who we are. In Acts 5, you've got an illustration of how this shouldn't work. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. And God is moving, and this is an amazing chapter, because when you open this chapter, it's like, wow, God's at work. He's opened the church. He's revealed the church to the world. The church explodes. These fishermen throw out a net. They get 3,000, 5,000 people come to know Christ in a day. Thousands are being saved. Miracles of every kind are happening. Signs and wonders. Joy is filling the city of Jerusalem. And Ananias and Sapphira walk into the temple in the middle of this great move of the Holy Spirit, birthing the kingdom on earth. It's amazing. Thousands born again. Spiritual move. And in the middle of this story in Acts 5, it's like, how does this fit in the middle of the story? But God puts that story in there for all of us to observe because he's got a message in that for us. Ananias and Sapphira, they come walking in and they bring their offering at offering time. And giving is at an all-time high in the move of the Holy Spirit. And those two do go together. It's an all-time high. And because what, what happened was people were taking their extra land, their extra home, their extra jewelry. It was the biggest eBay sale you've ever seen. And 
People who own not only some land for their own home, but they own several different properties. They sold off their extra property, sold off their second or third house, sold off jewelry they weren't using anymore, took all the proceeds and brought them into the kingdom, into the house of the Lord, and put them at the feet of the apostles and said, fund the work of the Lord, whatever's got to be done. So this is going on, right? Ananias and Sapphira, they bring their offerings, and they come in under pretense of bringing all the proceeds from the sale of a piece of property they own, the husband and wife, okay? They own a piece of property, they went and sold it, and they announced to everybody, 100% of the proceeds from the sale of this land we're giving to the God's work. Here we come. Boom. They walk into the middle of the service, but they withheld some of the money. Didn't tell anybody, which would have been okay. I mean, they had a right to do that, except they lied to the Holy Spirit And they lied to the leadership of the church. And they said, we're giving 100% gift of the sale of this property to the work of God. And walked in under that pretense, under the move of the Holy Spirit. And it ticked God off. Okay? Ticked him off. Clue. It still does. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Boom. One down. His wife comes in a little later. They're carrying Ananias out while she's coming in. Okay? You conspired with him, didn't you? Boom. Okay? Out she goes. Severe judgment fell on them because they kept back part. Now watch. They gave God less than their best. They promised God their best. They had a pretense they were bringing God their best. The church had just been birthed, brand new, and God says, listen, I don't want my people to think it's acceptable to come walking in here and worshiping me, giving less than your best, yet you're pretending you're giving me your best. Because he said, Israel, my chosen, used to do that. They used to bring me their leftovers. They used to bring me their, their ill and sick sheep and lambs. And they were pretending that they were offering me their best. It's not just about money. It's the posture of your heart towards God. How do I present myself to you? Willing to serve him with joy, to assist, to work in his vineyard, to serve him. Because Jesus put it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when he was asked, what's the great First and great commandment, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. That's the first and great commandment, to have less than God's favor in your life. Listen to me. You don't have to be a substance abuser to have less than God's best in your life and less than God's favor. You don't have to go out and commit adultery or lie or steal or murder. Just keep back part of yourself while you're acting like you're all in. And you'll lose the favor of the Lord. When you give him less than your best, for sure, you're going to end up spiritually dead. You'll fall out of church and die off spiritually. The only thing that keeps you alive in church is when you give God your best. It's not enough to come to church with this, well, at least I'm here, attitude. That does not work. That's not the way it works with God. He does not accept that as worship. I want to be my best for the Lord. And Satan will fill your heart to only give God 
part of your life. When he successfully fills your heart with other stuff, he, he gets you ineffective and not getting to your divine destiny. Did you notice how this, this verse is worded in Acts 5? Why has Satan filled your heart? And what was the result? Keep back part of the price. That's the result. Okay? God's saying, give me your all. Be all in. That's why God says in the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's holy unto the Lord. In other words, he's saying to us, I want you to put me first and not forget this. Give me your all. Give me every relationship in your life. Give me your future. Die to your will. Seek first the kingdom of God. Die to yourself. Die to your stuff. I want all of you. I want your mind. I want your body. I I don't want you coming to church and visiting with me on Sunday and living apart from me for the rest of the week. I want all of you. And if you'll give me all of you, I'll give you all of me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things shall be added unto you partnership. Now listen, the just shall live by faith, that's us, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no, that's God speaking, no pleasure in him. I don't know about you, I want my service to the Lord to bring pleasure to him. I want my heart's posture to bring pleasure to him. I want what I give to the Lord to bring pleasure to him. Don't draw back from giving God all that you are because we're going to stand before him on judgment day. And don't be shocked because you heard it here first (laughs) what God says to you on judgment day. He'll say, this is what you were. This is what you did. This is what you could have been. This is what you could have done. Nothing troubles the heart of our Father more than when His people give Him less than their best. Prove it. It's Jesus speaking. I know all the things you do. That's what Jesus said to the church. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, it's kind of... Neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Oh. Wow. But that's not his plan for you to do that. He wants you serving him with the best of your ability so he can bless you because he takes pleasure in you. Why? Listen, because it was a decision not to give God your best. Be your best. Give yourself wholly to the Lord. Sell out to him. Give him all you are. Say to him, you put something in me like you did that little town of Bethlehem. And no one expected anything great to come out of Bethlehem. But you said, even though you are little in the eyes of the world, out of you, something great is going to come. And saints, you were called to become something great, to touch and to change our world, your world. So today, arise to your best. God's plan that you move past the good and the better to the best. And I'm thankful I serve that kind of a God. One who will bring out the best in your life when you give him your heart 
and your life, your strength and your mind. He brings the best out of you. And you're never going to get there without him bringing it out of you. It's not of our sufficiency. It's by his. Our God brings the greatness out of your life. How many are thankful for that? Then you ought to be on your feet. And you ought to be saying, thank you, Lord. Here's my best. Here's my best. I give you my best. I give you my best.